Turn with me, please, this evening to Acts chapter 9. One more time. Aren't you thankful for that money that came in this week? Oh, God's so good to us. It won't be long at all until I I won't have any more seats to tell you about. What will we do then? (laughs) Uh, They're already raising their hands over there. They have have ideas for that. Well, it won't be long till I'll say, well, you know, the seats are all paid for. Glory to God. Amen. Anyway, it's good seed because, you know, every everything that happens in one of these seats, if the Lord tears His coming, after we're here or whatever, as long as this is a church, uh, whatever happens in one of those seats or in this place, you have a part of. I know when I went to Ramah uh, under Brother Kenneth Hagin years ago, decades ago, I... Uh, it took all the faith we had just to get there, and uh, with uh, with enough money for tuition not not to pay for tuition to register. <laughs> we wasn't laughing at that point, <laughs> but we got there, and then we couldn't find a place to live, and uh, so we're we're staying in the cheapest motel we could find but we're spending our registration money oh man hurting trying to find a place well to make a long story short the lord did get us through and we did get registered and we did get into school but because of the partners of that ministry the tuition i think at that time only cost a third of what it actually cost to train the student. Partners were underwriting two-thirds. Well, if it had been the whole thing, I wouldn't have had the money. It probably wouldn't have had the faith to believe for the money at that point in my life because what I was believing for seemed enormous to me. And it it wasn't looking back now. It was pitiful, but that's where I was at. Took all the faith we had to believe for that. And that's how you grow. You start, you put your faith on the 5 and the 10 and the 20 and the 100 and the 500 and the 1,000. And you keep using your faith. And then the bigger amounts don't look so big to you. Nobody starts at the top. You, you start where you are. And you, you keep believing and feeding your faith and using it. And it grows. It, it gets stronger. But I, I never forget sitting in those, uh, in, and now it's called uh, R. M.A., I believe it is, but it was the big auditorium at that time in those blue chairs. And every chair had a name tag on the back of it here of partners that had bought and paid for all that. And every time I'd look at that, I'd think, glory to God, thank you for brother so-and-so. Because if somebody wasn't underwriting most of this, I couldn't be here. And I purposed that one day I'd be able to do something financially. And you know, not too many years after that, I was able to walk down, Phyllis and I were able to walk down to the front during camp meeting, give checks for $50,000. And that's the Lord bringing you a ways. Amen. From, from not having enough money to get registered <laughs> to being able to sow 50000 at one time in an offer. Oh, thank God. But you understand what the reason I said that, that same kind of thing's happening here. 
There may not be any name tags on there, but the Lord has all the names. Amen. I said, the Lord has all the names. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and that, that's what's happening. Well, have you found Acts, the ninth chapter? We, uh, in these Friday nights, have been ministering on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. If you've been here, you know that. If you haven't, we are, we are fairly deep into our study. And if you'd like to catch up, tapes are available. We went through 20 individual cases of healing in the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, studying healing under the ministry of Jesus. 20 different uh, services that we went into detail, finding out how the people received their healing, how Jesus ministered healing to them. And we saw if it was through faith or the, if it was faith initiated or spirit initiated or a combination, spirit initiated and faith response. But now we've got, we started last week into the book of Acts because there are healings in here also. How many know there are healings in the book of Acts? And they sound very, very similar to the healings in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen? In Acts, the first chapter, look at that before you go to chapter 9. Let me remind you what we looked at last week, review just a little bit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, he starts this out, Dr. Luke, the same man that God used to pen the, the gospel account of Luke, the, the Holy Ghost used to pen the, the Acts, book of Acts, and he says, the former treatise, which is referring to the gospel account of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Is that word began significant? Because what is he about to tell them throughout chapter after chapter? We're going to see a continuation, right, of what Jesus started. Now when Jesus hung on the cross at the end and he breathed his last, he said, it is finished. He was not talking about his ministry. Did you hear me? He was talking about redemption price. Amen? Paying the price for the sins of mankind and buying us back when, when He gave up His Spirit and when he, he paid and every drop of His precious blood, that was it. The price was paid. That, that was the sacrifice that would redeem us and buy us back. But the ministry that Jesus did. How many remember in John fourteen twelve? He said, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to the Father. Was his ministry to continue? And what was his ministry in the earth? What did he do? Well, Matthew 4, 23 and Matthew 9, 35 and 6, different places says Jesus went round about all their synagogues, teaching and preaching and healing. Amen. Every manner of sickness and disease among the people. Acts, you know, said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. 
Is that supposed to be going on right now? Did it continue throughout the book of Acts? And are we part of the same church that we read about in the book of Acts? Yeah, there's not, you know, I know there's many different denominations, but there are not many different churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one church. No matter what title or denominational title you have, you've either been born again or you have not. If you've been born again truly and Jesus is your Lord, then you are in the church. Amen? The church. And we're a part of the same church that Peter is, I started to say was, but he's very much alive in heaven right now. You know, uh, I don't even like referring to my loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord in the past tense. It'd be rare for me to do so. I talk about my grandfather, my grandmother, my uncles and different ones that are already there with the Lord. Uh, I don't talk about my, my grandmother, great influence in my life, uh, Lena Pearl is her name. And uh, uh, I don't talk about what, you know, what she was because she is. Did you hear me? She is. My grandfather is. All my relatives and friends that are there are. They're just as much alive as you are. Just a lot happier. (laughs) And we're pretty happy. But they're on out beyond us. Amen. And free. Free. So not, not, everybody say not was. Are. Did we lose them? We haven't lost. You see, people use this terminology all the time, don't they? Well, we lost so-and-so. Are they saved? Yeah. Well, then we didn't lose them. They relocated. If you had a, if you had a, a daddy or mama or grandpa or a friend that, that moved from Branson to Los Angeles, I don't know why they would, but if they did. <laughs> I'm joking. If you're... From L.A., forgive me. Uh, one thing I do not like is the traffic. I mean, those guys sit sit on the freeway for three hours or four hours at a time, and they think that's normal. But uh, let's say you had a relative that moved to L.A. Somebody said, what happened to your grandpa? And you say, well, we lost him. <laughs> what do you mean? He's in L.A. Well, no, you didn't lose him. (laughs) Did you? He's not lost to you. He's just somewhere else. You can't see him like if he lived across the street from you, but you didn't lose him. And when our loved ones go to heaven, we didn't lose them. Did you hear me? So there's no need to use that word. Right? Right? Jesus said concerning Lazarus, you know, he said, uh, uh, he told the disciples, he said, he's sleeping. They said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, that's great. He, they didn't understand. He said, well, he's dead. But he preferred the word sleep. Now, that doesn't mean his soul was asleep. Did you hear me? No such thing as soul sleep. When a person's body dies, they leave that body. Did you hear me? They're not asleep. Their body is asleep. 
but they're not asleep. And the reason why he says asleep is because the trumpet's going to sound one of these days soon. And that body is going to wake up. Even if it has completely decomposed and you couldn't even find the, the dust of the bones, God knows where every molecule is at. And when the trumpet sounds, it's going to come back together and the power of God's going to flow through it. Wake up. Hallelujah. I better read my scriptures here, hadn't I? Well, until then, we have mortal bodies that are sometimes a drag to deal with. You know it's true. I mean, you know, even if you take care of them pretty well. I mean, there's going to be new wrinkles and gray hair or less hair. And gravity is always at work. (laughs) And even if you take pretty good care of yourself, you are going to age. I mean... uh, You you know, the Scripture told us that uh, though the outward man perish, and it is, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't it wonderful to know that on the inside we're not aging? Is that true? We're not aging on the inside. Should just be getting better. Getting stronger, getting wiser. Amen? But on the outside, we're, we're aging. But the Lord tells us that we have been given the first fruits or the earnest of our inheritance. What's the first fruits? Well, that word's also, uh, definitions bring out down payment of what's to come. What's coming? Glorified body. Not even mortal anymore. Not even subject to aging or weakness of any kind. Won't that be wonderful? Immortal. Not subject to aging. Won't that be wonderful? Time won't be like it is now. But once your body is changed, a million years could pass. And you look better than you did before. Now that's happening. That's wonderful. Right? But we have the earnest of that, of what's coming, a first fruit of it given to us now. What is that? The Bible said in Romans 8, If the Spirit of Him that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, He'll do what? He will quicken... That word quicken means make full of life, make alive. He will quicken your mortal body. Well, that's before it gets changed. Because after it's changed, it's immortal. He will quicken. What do we get? Well, we're not immortal now. We all know that. What do we get? We get quickenings. Amen? Amen? To get us through until this body has served us. Amen. And we either leave it and go to be with Jesus or the trumpet sounds and he fixes it forever and changes it. 
But this quickening includes healing, strength, healing, restoration, renewal. It won't make us immortal, but it'll get us strong enough we can, we can make it through. And there are, there's no such thing as a perfect human body in the strictest sense. You know, you, t- you take any one of us and say, well, man, they're a perfect physical specimen. Well, technically, no. You put it under the microscope. You start measuring things, and look, you'll find one eye's a little bit bigger than the other. One ear's, you know, just a small amount lower than the other. And the arms, and the lungs, and everything. Why? The curse has skewed everything. Did you hear me? That's why we age. We weren't supposed to age. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, we don't know how long they were in the garden before this happened. They may have been there a long, long, long time and never aged. They didn't know what a headache was. If you'd have told Adam, I've got a headache, Adam was brilliant. No caveman with a club. (laughs) Grunting unintelligibly it's somebody's goofy idea made in the image of God and the likeness of God the angels were amazed and they looked at the man and they looked at God and they looked at the man and they thought he looks like you <laughs> perfect brilliant God would come down in the cool of the day and Adam would commune and then later Adam and Eve would commune with God, able to talk to him and understand what he's saying. Adam would say, wow, that's a wonderful sunset, God. How do you do that? And he'd tell him and he'd understand. He brought all the animals to Adam. For him to name them. And Adam had enough understanding about their anatomy and about their place in nature that he gave them the perfect name to describe them and what they were and what they would do. Brilliant, brilliant. Man has not evolved. Man devolved. Did you hear me? Now they got it backwards. No. People say, well, it's from from the goo to the zoo to you. (laughs) You know why the missing links are missing? They ain't just missing, friend. They don't exist. (laughs) Man has fallen from the brilliance of Adam and Eve. To where some men act and live like animals today. But God didn't create us that way. But if you'd have told Adam or Eve, you said, man, I got a headache. Who I got the worst headache. As brilliant as they are, they had no knowledge of evil, which means no knowledge of anything bad. And the devil convinced them that they ought to have this knowledge. How many wished you never had found out about any bad stuff? Oh, all you ever knew was good? That's what God intended. Thank God soon and very soon. God's going to fix it. We'll be back to what He intended. 
Only good. The Bible said there will be no more curse. Nothing that hurts or harms or destroys in all God's holy mountain. Nothing. You'd have said, man, I got the worst headache. As brilliant as Adam and Eve were, they'd say, what do you mean? Headache. You'd say, well, my head hurts. They said, hurt. What do you mean? Describe the feeling. They, they, they had nothing to relate to. Well, the same God who created that is able to restore you and I from the effects of the curse and problems on the earth. And even though we're not technically perfect, He can keep us in good operating condition. How many know what I mean by that? Good operating condition so that this body serves us well all our mission time that we're supposed to be down here. Amen? And when, when I've run my race, I'm ready to be out of here. Did you hear? I, I don't want to stay down here in a mortal body forever anyway. No, it's much better there. And I still had not got to my text yet. Well, look in Acts 9 then. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. How about not? How about go to Romans? Just put that on hold for a little bit. Romans, the uh, fifth chapter. I tell you, before you do that, Hold your place in Romans because that's, that's a good place. I want you to be there. But I think you'll get more out of it if you'll do it like this. Go back to Genesis. I'm not through talking about Adam and Eve. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Acts 9 will be there. It's been there. It's not going anywhere. Genesis. Oh, thank you, Lord. Genesis and the uh, first verse. Genesis. God made everything that He made. He made the light. He made the the firmament in the midst of the water. He made the dry land and, and the sky and the heavens. And in verse 10... It said when he called the dry land earth and the gathering together the waters called he sees, God saw that it was what? Good. It was good. And then he, he uh, said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God looked at it and he saw that it was good. 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 And then, you know, he, he made the lights in the heavens and the sun, the moon, the stars, and verse 18, to rule over the day and over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. 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 
He made all the fish and the creatures that are in the water. He made the birds. Verse 21, God created great whales. Whales are big. You ever seen a whale? You ever seen one in person? I have In in the Pacific. And I'm telling you what, when that thing came up, you know, we knew there's supposed to be whales out there. We're watching. We're whale watching. That's what we're doing. Looking for whales. And we, we saw, you know, some of the big fins, tail fins come up a few places. But I mean, one came up. He wasn't that close. He was probably close, to, you know, maybe to the road out there in front of the church. But when he came up and I realized how big that thing was, it shocked me. I'm like, whoa. Made you want to get out of the way and you couldn't. You're on the boat, you know. But he was, he was way off to the side, but so big. I mean, enormous. What about the one who made him? You know, you, the Bible says in Romans that the invisible things of God, even His eternal power and Godhead, are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. You learn so much about God. Phyllis was looking at some little puppies the other day. Little bitty things, fuzziest little fluffy things. And I thought, now now who would make something like that? (laughs) Tells you something about God, right? And some of the creatures he made, spotted, stripes, the colors. See, all of that tells you something about him. Heaven is a vibrant place. It's a colorful place. It's a bright place. It's a glorious place. Some people, bless their hearts, if, if, if it was the way they believed it was and the way they make God out to be, all the flowers would be just three different colors. Light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. If God really was the way they portray Him to be, all the fish would be three colors. Light gray, medium gray, and dark. All the birds would be three colors. Light gray and medium gray and dark gray. Why? Because that's, port- that's how they act. Dull and gray. Really, and, and they act, they leave the impression they're that way because they're Christians. Dull and gray, and leave the impression God is dull and gray. God is not dull and gray. He's fire from his loins up, and fire from his loins down. He's hot stuff. He's light, isn't he? He's got a rainbow over his throne. Glory to God. Crystal sea. You talk about flashy. Not a great big fancy iron gate. People drive by somebody's house and, and, and I've heard them say it, you know. Actually in Tulsa. 
not too long after we got our house. And it, it wasn't no mansion, in my opinion. It was nice, but it wasn't, you know, that extravagant, I didn't think. And some folk came by, and they told some other people that got back to me, and they said, that's just too big. What's he need that for? Well, what do they care? They ain't paying for it. Have you ever wondered, what, what do they care? They coming out of their packet, what, pocket, what is, what is their deal? But what about God's house? <laughs> Ooh, gates made out of pearl. Not pearls, uh. Boy, I'd like to see that oyster, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I don't know how he made it. That's how they, they're made down here. The, the, the walls, not made out of cement blocks, not even, not even pretty white stones, jewels. You talk about some honking rubies and diamonds, we're going to see some rocks. <laughs> Streets, not, not gold leaf, made out of gold. Made out of gold. Some say, well, you mean you got a little filling of gold on top of the asphalt? No, no. Gold goes all the way down. That's your God. And He made this earth. And and, and we, we don't really know what it was like in the beginning. It's been affected by the curse. Everything has been distorted and defiled by the curse. And really, the planet is dying. People talk about save the planet. The planet's not going to be saved. It's dying. And so why do you say that? Because the Bible tells us so. It's groaning. You ever read that? It's groaning. It's travailing. What's happening? All these tectonic plates shifting in the core of the earth. Things happening with the sun. These solar flares and all that kind of stuff. What's happening? It's going to, it's, it's <laughs> people are getting concerned now. <laughs> oh, Brother Keith, don't tell us that. Okay, I don't have to tell you. I'm not worried about it. I'm leaving out of here before things go, go really bad. But the, the planet, it, do you remember reading? The elements are going to melt with fervent heat. There ain't too many things that would do that. But losing your son will do that. Did you hear me? And uh, if your son goes supernova, and that would also explain things like the moon be, you know, becoming red and stars uh, getting out of their courses and gravitational. And that's what happens when you, your moon and your sun start losing it. Then gravity what would happen without the, the gravity of the moon and the oceans? Mountains moved out of their places. Islands moving around. And the whole thing is going to melt with fervent heat. And then God's going to come and fix it all. A new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because this one couldn't be fixed. Sin has messed this up so bad till it's got to be melted off. And then God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth that is perfect. It'll never be too hot nor too cold. 
No storms, no hurricanes, no tornadoes, no earthquakes. Be perfect. That's the way it was in the beginning. Be God, everything God did. How many understand you don't look at, at the earth writhing and, and volcanoes spewing and earthquakes and go, that's good. Huh? Atmosphere coming apart. Well, that's good. No, that's not good. But when God made it, it was perfect. In fact, we're told that there weren't any thunderstorms. Didn't didn't cloud up and rain. The atmosphere was so perfect that the dew every morning and evening was exactly what everything needed to be watered. Didn't even need a sprinkler system. Everything was perfect. Amen. Everybody say good. good. It was all good. Very good. Well, you're sure going a different direction tonight, aren't we? Verse 21, when he saw all the things he had made, the whales, remember the whale? Great big. And every winged fowl after his kind, God saw that it was good. Good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And God made man. Verse 26, let us make man after our, in our image and after our likeness. Well, does God have any flaws in him? Does God have any imperfections or weaknesses or deformities? Did you hear me? It bothers me when I, when you know, no matter if a baby is born with a deformity or somebody has some kind of problem and somebody says, well, God made them that way. No, He did not. Did you hear me? That's because of sin in the earth. It's because of the effect of the curse in the earth. God didn't, well, let me, let me finish reading. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 28, God blessed them, said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Verse 31, and God saw what? Everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. How much of it? Everything. Everything. Now I got a question now. Listen carefully. Can you look at diabetes and say, behold, it is very good? Can you look at cancer? And say, behold, it is very good. Can you look at AIDS? Arthritis. Blood disease. Leukemia. High blood pressure like we said. Any of these kind of things. Look at it and go, behold, cancer is very good. Leukemia is very... Certainly not. No, no person in their right thinking would say such a thing. Then did God call these things good? Why? How could He say everything that's in creation is very good? Why? Because it wasn't there. There was no cancer. There was no leukemia. There was no AIDS. 
Did you hear me? Sickness and disease was not a part of God's original creation. Was not. Everything that he made was very good. He made Adam and then Eve in his own image, in his own likeness. Well, then Adam's, one of Adam's legs couldn't have been shorter than the other. Because that would have been a reflection of God. Is one of God's legs shorter than the other? One of Adam's lungs couldn't have been smaller than the other. He couldn't have had a squint in one eye or a drawn hand. Did you hear me? He's made in God's own image. God is perfect. Let me say it again. Sickness and disease was not a part of God's original creation. Now soon, well, let me just just not say that yet. How many understand that in heaven there is no sickness and disease? Would you believe that? Where God lives, there is no sickness and disease. Let's turn over and look at some scriptures in Revelation. You still got your place in Romans? Good for you. Revelation. And we'll look at the 21st chapter. Is this okay for tonight? I don't have any notes on it, but I, I believe it. It's good. Revelation. I tell you what, read, uh, go to chapter 22, and then we'll, we'll read 21. 22, verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Water of what? Would, reckon, would that make you sick? If you drank some of that water? Huh? Water of life. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to be any death in it. It's going to just be... Life. How many believe in God? God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Is it true that God is life, and in Him there's no death? There's nothing distorted or twisted. How many understand there's nothing, there is no decay in God? See, that, another way of saying death is to say decay. Our bodies are dying. We don't like to think about it. Why? Because they're decaying. That's, that's the aging process. <laughs> but in God, there is no decay. None. Everything is perfectly renewed. So that it's not one whit less than it was the time before. I read about a a lady some many many years ago that that said she she died and went to heaven. And said some interesting things. I, I I've shared some of this before, and some of you read this, but uh, she talked about how that she had this beautiful robe on, beautiful. She was just enamored with it. Couldn't figure out what the fabric was. 
Didn't feel like anything she'd ever had on. It was just wonderful. And the guy who was with her tried to lead her down into the river of life. And she thought, oh, well, I don't want to get my, my grip. She, he said, don't worry about it. Come on. Come on. And so she went in, and it just didn't feel like that it bothered anything. And when she walked out, it was instantly dry. No wrinkles. And they went to eat some of the fruit. You read this in verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there's a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You know, good fruit down here is good. A tree ripened Alberta peach. Now, I'm not talking about something somebody pulled green and shipped to you in a box. (laughs) Thank God for those if that's all you got. But there is the one that has ripened to perfection in the sunshine. Now, you talk about good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so some of this old-fashioned fruit that's tree-ripened, you understand that doesn't compare. This, this, what we're talking about has been affected drastically by the curse. Wonder what this is going to taste like. <clears throat> she said she ate some, they, they took her to different trees. And, had, and some people at their houses, there were trees that had certain kind of fruit. She said it tasted, some tasted similar, only far better than something, but, but a little similar. But other things, she had never tasted anything like that before. She said one of them tasted like ice cream. <laughs> and she was enjoying it so much, she looked down and she had got juice all over her robe. And she thought, oh, Oh, and while she was looking, it evaporated. No decay. No decay. No no worms. No bacteria. See, all of that has come as a result of the curse. So we, we don't really know what it was like. Even in its fallen condition, there's a lot of beauty in this creation. It in its fallen state. It's hard to imagine what it was like before. We're going to find out though. Keep reading. Verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. That means no more briars. means you can run through the woods barefooted. Fast as you like and never cut your foot. Never, no no briars, nothing that hurts nor harms. Dive off a hundred foot cliff. Not worry about hitting your head on a rock. We're going to do some stuff. We all might get together and I'll say, hey, hey, watch this, watch this. And you'll say, yeah, watch this. These glorified bodies are going to be something else. Oh, it's going to be very cool. 
No more curse. Everybody say, no more curse. No more curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servant shall serve Him. Back up to the 21st chapter. Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. I told you it wasn't going to make it. And there was no more sea. No more sea. Well, that would give you a lot more real estate. <laughs> Two. Wouldn't it? All the people that have ever lived and are saved and will ever live, you know, you're going to need some room. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Oh, friend, that that means more than anything in all time and eternity that God claims you, that you're His. And God shall what? Wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more crying. Are there people crying on any of the street corners in heaven? Huh? Anybody sad up there? Are you sure? And neither shall there, and there shall be no more death. No more. No more dogs dying. No more flowers dying. No more trees dying. Nothing dies. No more people dying. Nothing. No dying. No decay. Neither sorrow nor crying. No more grieving. No more sadness. No crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Now do you understand why I'm reading this? None of these things are the will of God. They weren't a part of His original creation. After everything is fixed and restored, you can't find them. Right? So where did it come from? God didn't make it a part of His original creation. When everything is fixed and restored, it's not there. So then where did it come from? Well, that's why you're holding your finger in Romans. (laughs) Because it tells us exactly where it came from. Before we go there, now think with me just a little bit further. Do you understand? I know I'm I'm sounding repetitive, but think about it. Everything we read right here is not the will of God. Pain is not the will of God. Are you with me? Sorrow, grieving, which is another kind of pain, right? Hurting on the inside, hurting mentally, hurting solically is not the will of God. Now one reason I say it so uh, definitely is because we've got Christians and preachers telling us it is. God uses this pain to purify us and, 
and to bring different things out of us. Really? But you understand what I'm talking about. People believe this. They believe it. No more crying. No more dying. No more sorrow. No more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Look. That's what behold means. Look. I make all things new. (laughs) Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad this is in your future? Mm -mm -mm. None of this is the will of God. If it was the will of God, well, I'll tell you, before, before we read that, let me, somebody else needs another scripture on this. Go to 1 Corinthians. First, uh, Second Corinthians, excuse me. Second Corinthians is where I'd like for you to go. No, what that is, is uh, first. I told you right the first time. Excuse me. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Is dying the will of God? Somebody said, well, Brother Keith, obviously it is. People are dying. Read this, 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign, 1 Corinthians 15, 25, are you looking at it? He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, the last Enemy that shall be destroyed is death is an enemy of God. You hear Christians talking about, well, you know, God took them in death. Death is not of God. So are you trying to say if we have enough faith, we won't die? No, the Lord didn't promise we're going to live forever down here in this mortal body. Sin has already affected, the curse has already affected this whole earth, including our body. This body is dying. Yours and mine, it's on its way. But death, that's why when when it comes to the point of death, people, even if they think they're ready to go, when death starts fastening itself on your body, your body will resist it. Because you're not made to die. My granddad, who's in heaven now, my grandmother went home first to be with the Lord. And after she went to be home, with, home to be with the Lord, my granddad was miserable without her. Just miserable. She was the spiritual glue that was holding some things together. He didn't even try to live right most of his life. Should, he should have been the spiritual head, you understand? But he wasn't. But my grandmother was a praying woman. And when she was gone, there wasn't some of the influence that was helping him. You know, a lot, you see that a lot of times. People don't realize how much somebody's holding something together. And uh, 
So when I'd come in from meetings or something, he'd, he'd send word he wanted to see me. Well, I'd usually go by and see him anyway, but I'd go by and we wouldn't be there a few minutes. He'd say, Keith, pray for me that I'll go on home. <laughs> I called him Papa. I said, well, Papa, you know, even if you live to be a hundred, that's nothing. It'll be gone. I mean, people sometimes are in too big of a rush. Life is short. Even if you live to be a hundred, it's, it's nothing. It's here. It's gone. No, no need being too big of a rush. And I said, well, you know, soon enough, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be there. He said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. he'd start crying. He said, I don't want to stay. I miss you, Grandma, and I, I just want to go. I said, well, I couldn't pray that he would die. But I'd ask the Lord to strengthen him, and I'd love on him. And sure enough, he'd get to a place where it looked like he's going to die. It looked like that's it. He'd start fighting. <laughs> Just fight and come back. And the doctor would shake his head and go, he's one of the fightingest dudes I've ever... Well, he's telling me he wants to die. But when it came down to it, see, you and I, our bodies were not made to die. They'll, they'll fight. They'll resist. Why? It's an enemy. Everybody say Enemy. Death is not a friend. It's an enemy. Oh, but one day, the last enemy is going to be put underfoot, and that'll be it. No more dying. Ever. Nobody, nothing. No more dying. No more dying. Now, we don't know a world like that. Are we going to find out? Now, go, please. To Romans, where you're holding your place. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. If God didn't create it, how did it get here? In Romans, the fifth chapter, and the twelfth verse, Romans 5. 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Let's just stop right there. Did God bring sin into the world? No, He did not. Then you couldn't blame God for the effects and results of the sin. Who brought it in? Man. By one man. He didn't even say by one devil. The devil didn't have the power to do it. He had the ability to tempt. And one thing you need to understand, you know, the comedian popularized years, years ago, the devil made me do it. It's a lie. The devil can't make you do anything. He's not what he cracks himself up to be. He likes to, you know, pump himself up to be this terrible monster that just can come in and just do things in your life and there's nothing you can do about it. It's a lie. I said, it's a lie. That's why the Scripture says, give no place. Neither give place to the devil. That's good news. means you don't have to. Right? Resist the devil and... That means he has to. Right? He can't control your mind. He can't control your body. He can't 
control your stuff unless you yield to him and let him. I understand he didn't force Adam and Eve to sin. He didn't force them to disobey God. He couldn't. He didn't have the power. Well, he, he didn't want people to know that, but he can't make you do something. He tempted them. He lied to them. He deceived. That's his, that's his biggest weapons. Lure, tempt. And they did it. They're the ones that did it. And when they did, the Lord had warned them. If you sin, if you do what I told you not to do, what will happen? You will die. Well, they didn't fall physically dead the moment they eat of the forbidden fruit. But did what God tell them come to pass? Did they die? Yeah, they died on the inside. But get this now. Adam and Eve's bodies were so perfect, it took almost a millennia for the devil to kill them. 930 years Adam lived after the fall. Why? His system was so perfect. It took it that long to break down. Why? Wasn't made to die. Scientists tell us that theoretically every cell in our body is replaced with brand new ever so many, what they say, seven years or ever so, so much time. Well, then why don't we stay perfect? Because the system has broken down. And every cycle is not quite, once you reach, you know, maturity, every cycle is not quite what it was the last time. And it's, it's decay. Because of the curse, because of the sin. Now one reason I'm being taking time and talking about this, do you understand that masses of Christians attribute so much of these things that we're talking about to God? Why has that brother got that sickness in his body? Well, we just don't understand these things, but don't question God. The deformities and the, the problems and the, the curse and the poverty. and Well, we just don't understand, but God in His infinite wisdom... No, listen, listen. That was never part of the will of God. Amen. Never part of His perfect plan. Now, He knew it was going to happen. And He already had a fix for it. Yeah. Hallelujah. He wasn't surprised by it, but it was not His will. And it never was, not, not will be, His best. Death, pain, disease, poverty. Like one fellow said, he said it is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. Not God. Right? So when we talk about disease, we don't talk about God. That's between sin and the curse and the work of the devil. Oh, but God is healing. God is life. Keep reading. Verse 12. As by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned 
from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. They were sinning ignorantly. Then the law was given, and you could see what sin was. But not as the offense, so is the free gift. For if through the offense of the many, one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by the man, one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. Now look at verse 17. Here's the good news. If by one man's offense, by one man's sin, death reigned by one, much more. Everybody say much more. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now he goes on to, to talk about, if you, if you read this chapter and the preceding chapter, what he's, the, the King James sometimes is a little bit difficult, but, but if you read other translations and, and, and you look, he's saying what the enemy did in Adam's sin is not to be compared with what the Father God has done through His Son, the Lord Jesus. Death came in through Adam's sin and the curse and death spread over all the earth, affected every plant, every bird, every fish, every human's body. Oh, but God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the gift of grace, through righteousness, has far overcome all that happened through the enemy. We are no longer dead on the inside. We are alive right now on the inside. Hallelujah. We can live in victory in our spirit and in our minds. Our bodies, we do not have yet our full inheritance. What is our full inheritance? It's coming. We're going to get it. What is our full physical redemption? It is immortality. Incorruptibility. But until then, we're alive on the inside right now. we got the victory. we got the authority. we got the Holy Spirit in us and on us. But until then, we have quickening. The earnest, the first fruits of our physical inheritance. You're there in Romans. Just flip over to that chapter I quoted earlier. The, the eighth chapter. The eighth chapter. Verse 10. Verse 10. If Christ, the anointed one, be in you, the body is dead because of sin. I see, that's another way of saying what I've been, been endeavoring to describe. The body... Death is in this physical body right now. It's decaying. Why? Because of God? No, because of sin. Let me ask you again real slowly. Did God create cancer? Did He create tumors? Did He create poverty, people starving to death and such? What about earthquakes? You know, insurance companies call. Storms and tornadoes and hurricanes, acts of God. No, if there had never been any sin, there would never have been any tornadoes. Right? No. Even death itself is the enemy of God. 
But, what did he say? The body is dead because of what? Sin. But the spirit is life or alive because of righteousness. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ. And because of that, our spirit is alive right now. Can anybody testify with me? My, your spirit. You've been born again. Your spirit is alive. Now we're waiting on the quickening of the mortal body. But we're not waiting on the quickening of our spirit. We got that. We are alive. Amen. And the stronger you are in your spirit. And the more you walk in the spirit. The more you live in the spirit. The more you really live. You experience it. A lot of people on this planet exist. A few live. Know how to live. Walking with God, man, the sky is bluer and the grass is greener. You can savor life. Amen? Amen? Amen. A master at enjoying life. What First 1 Timothy say? God gives us richly all things to enjoy. It blesses your Father when you enjoy things that He does for you and gives you in this life. He wants to see you enjoy it. Did you know, go back and read the Old Testament again. Notice it. He commanded them at least three times out of a year, out of a year, to come before him and party. <laughs> read it. Read Deuteronomy 28, the last part of it. He, com- he told them about the curse that would come on them because they didn't serve him with joy. For all the blessings He had given. Friend, we are supposed to party in a holy way. We are supposed to, I mean, get up in the morning and take a deep breath and enjoy a breath of air like no sinner knows how. Amen. Enjoy everything God has given us. Amen. Know how to use things the right way. Not just exist. Not drag your feet through a day. Live. Live, rule, and reign in life. Well, I think I've preached this another four hours. You'd get excited. Are you with me now? Excuse me. You and I are called to reign, to live, not die, overcome, not be defeated, get healed. Not perish. Be blessed. Prosper. Increase. Not go under. We're called to it. We're ordained to it. Predestined to it. Agree with Him. Believe it. Receive it. He said, the spirit, the body's dead because of sin. But the Spirit is alive, life, because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also what? Quicken your mortal, mortal, that's not later on, mortal is now, mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Think about it, think about it. The, in the tomb. On the third day, the Lord's body was laying there cold and stiff. 
Because the body was dead in the, in the physical sense. He, he was gone. He had left the body. Oh, but he came back. And the Bible said he was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father. Another place said by the Spirit of God. What, what spirit are we talking about? Same spirit we're reading about right here? Same spirit that dwells in you? That's that spirit came up in that tomb. Oh, glory to God. That spirit, that same spirit that moved on the face of the deep when God said, let there be light, and it was, and everything was good. That, that same Holy Ghost, that same Holy Spirit that was in the pillar of fire and the cloud with the Israelites in the wilderness, that same Holy Spirit Amen. That was on Elijah when he called fire down on the mount. That same Holy Spirit that was on David when he rushed and met Goliath. That same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus himself when he preached and taught and cast out devils and healed the sick. Not not a different spirit. That same Spirit came up in the tomb. Moved over Jesus' body. And from his toes to the top of his head, every molecule changed. <laughs> his spirit came back up in his body. No longer subject to any pain or any decay. Can't get sick. Can't get sick. Can't get sick. Can't, get sick. Can't hurt. Whew. Are we reading about the same Spirit here? Come on, did you get this now? Read read your verse again. But if the Spirit of Him that what? That raised up Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you. And how many hold up a hand and say He does? That Spirit. Say it out loud. That Spirit dwells in me. dwells in you, then what will happen? He that raised Christ, we're talking about His physical body now, right? His physical, physical body, raised Him from the dead, He shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Friend, this has got healing all over it. This has got healing all in it and all over it, and it doesn't end with healing. What is this quickening? This is the down payment of what's coming later. It's mini, M-I-N-I, mini resurrection power. Little bit. Little bit. Quickening. But just a little bit of that can make you feel 100% better. Little bit of that can clean your blood up. Little bit of that can make a kidney start working again. Little, what, what, a little bit of what? A little bit of what moved over Jesus' body in that tomb. One of these days, it's going to hit us. The full load. And it's going to be too much for us. <laughs> too much for our mortality. Even if you're still alive and remaining, when the Lord Jesus comes and the trumpet sounds, and we're going to see the dead in Christ rise, we're going to be standing there with our mouth open going, Wow, wow, woo! At about that time, when they're raised and their spirits re-enter their bodies, it's going to hit us. 
that glory, that power is going to hit us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We're going to be changed on an atomic level. And it's going to be too much for our mortality. We will no longer be mortal. But but until then, we get this quickening. What is that? That's a little bit of what's coming later. A little bit. A zap. Little zaps. Big zaps. Medium-sized zaps. Life. Quickening. Mortal. In your mortal body. How many understand, if, if, if He could raise Jesus from the dead, He can adjust your blood pressure. Come on now, are you with me? I'm not, I'm not just talking to be talking. I'm not just going long to be going long. Ain't that long anyway. Not if you get healed. The thing is, do you believe this? Would you receive a quickening? Do you believe He raised Jesus' body from the dead? Does that same Spirit that was in the tomb that morning, is that Spirit inside of you? Well, the more you think about it, the more you believe it, the more wonderful things you're going to experience in this life. If He's not real to you and you don't yield to Him, you won't see it. But if you believe, you think, oh, my, my, my. Put your hands on yourself. Oh, my. Who is in me? What is in me? The Spirit that delivered the madman of Gadara is in me. The Spirit that that raised uh, the ruler's daughter from the dead, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter from the dead, is in me. The same Holy Ghost that moved on the face of the deep is in me. The Holy Ghost that raised Jesus' body from the dead in the tomb that morning, that, that same Spirit, everybody say same Spirit, same Spirit is in me. And people, people talk pitifully and go, well, I just don't know if, if the Lord would, would heal me or not. That kind of unbelief will limit him. It'll shut off what belongs to you. But if you can believe that and go, are you kidding? This is nothing for him. This little, fixing this little physical problem is nothing. For the greater one who lives in me, the one who was in the tomb that morning with Jesus, nothing for him and it is written. Come on, you got to read it again. Romans 8. It is written. This ain't just what Brother Keith said now. It is written. It is written. If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Everybody say, He does. He does. He is. If He does, what's going to happen? He that raised up the anointed one from the dead. Did He do it? Was the power in that tomb that morning. Oh my. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, 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 quicken. Now's a good time right now. Everybody sit out loud. Lord, I receive a quickening. Let your quickening spirit, your quickening power flow through me. Flow through my veins, through my blood, through my organs, through my glands. Let your quickening power flow through my muscles, 
through my bones, through my joints, through my ligaments, through my skin. Let your quickening power quicken me, quicken my mortal body. I receive it by the Spirit who dwells in me in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Begin to thank Him. Put up your hands. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, begin to praise Him. Begin to thank Him.